Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Uh, we are we are past the novelty of the FA Cup semi-final. Um, we are out, uh, and that's something we'll be talking about later on. Um, but all eyes now come to the final running. Uh, we have a very, very big week ahead of us uh, after this, this bit of a break. Um, but we have... Bournemouth at home and Cardiff at home uh, starting next Saturday and the following Tuesday. Um, so within the next 10 days, uh, we are really going to probably know our fate. Um, if we can come out of these next couple of games with a good amount of points, um, I think we're, we're home and dry. And I think if we don't, it's going to be a long, long end to April. <laughs> um, but I hope you're all well. Um, I hope those that went to Wembley aren't too hungover and those that didn't get to go to Wembley are also feeling all right. Uh, it's been a, a bit of a weekend. Um, you know, it's for those of you who give any kind of care about it, it's also WrestleMania weekend. Um, and, you know, I feel like Brighton were a nice opening act for an underdog. Um, so anybody enjoying that, enjoy it. Anybody enjoying the Grand National, I hope you want a whole bunch of money. Uh, there's been a lot going on this weekend, basically. Um, I'm recording this at the moment, and it's currently half-time um, in the Watford uh, Wolves game. And they are currently 1-0 to Wolves. Um, I suspect that they probably will go on and win this. Um, and I'm probably most happy about it, too, because I think they're the team that can give Man City a problem more than Watford. Um, Wolves have this strange knack of really performing well um, against the top six, uh, there was a really interesting um, table that was posted on uh, soccer, the soccer subreddit um, for Reddit. Uh, anybody who visits there, you probably would have seen it. Um, if you didn't, I might try and find it just to post it later on. Um, but it was interesting because if I think if they uh, if it was just a top six table and them, I think they're third. In the entire league, um, they, out of the seven of them, in a table of seven, they actually have the third best record against the top six uh, when playing each other. So there's something about Wolves. Uh, they are consistently inconsistent. Um, but if they do win, I think they have the 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 ingredients necessary to take that quadruple away. Um, I feel like Watford would probably try and play similar to us. Um but not have the ability to get it done just like us. So I think that hopefully Wolves can go through um, because I think it will probably be the most entertaining cup final. Um, and it will be incredibly intriguing to see what they look like in Europe next year and whether it hurts them or not. Um, but we're, we are moving on to the top five stories of the week, as we all know. Um, this is nothing new. This is every week now. Uh, we have a nice little... Uh, section going uh, we know how it looks um, and let's start with story number five so we had a lot going on this week in Chelsea the FA Cup semi-final and you know Bournemouth coming up are going to be amongst these top stories unsurprisingly but we do have a couple of other things to talk about before we get to these um, and one of them is the under 23s um, we have quite a title race going on involving the Albion if you aren't aware um, Brighton are currently second uh, in the under 23 division um, behind Everton, who have a game in hand. Uh, we're on 35 points, and Everton are on 38 with a game in hand. Um, if Everton were to not win that game, um, whatever that game in hand is, I'm not sure who they play, um, we would all only have two games to go, and Brighton and Everton are the next two to play each other. 
Um, honestly, even if even if Everton win, it's going to be an interesting couple of games to go um, because the title is still in the mix uh, on the final day of the season for them. Um, and I think that it's great for us because we've got a lot of under-23 players that we're signing um, and aren't making their way into the team yet, but they're clearly now playing against quality players week in and week out. Um, you know, this Rad- Radulovic uh, has just started scoring in, scoring goals. Uh, the other lad, uh, Luzjevic, I don't even know how to pronounce that, but uh, he's a striker as well, and he started scoring some goals. Uh, Gaio Kares, of course, um, the midfield, you know, with Max Sanders and Jason Malombi coming back. Um, it's interesting to see them do so well uh, because it, it kind of asks the question of, you know, how much are we going to dig into that uh, under-23 pool um, where, if we stay up? Uh, I think if we go down, I think the answer is we're going to dig quite deep into it. Um, I think if we were to go down, uh, I think we probably wouldn't buy many players at all. Um, and I think we would probably delve into the under-23 fold um, and hope that they're good enough to uh, supplement whatever we lose, um, you know, such as Proper and uh, Bissouma and... Dale Stevens and Dunk and Duffy and players like this, I'm sure, would probably want to leave. Um, so they would probably look to the under-23s to help us out there. Um, but if we stay up, you know, this is this is an under-23s team that are doing incredibly well um, on that on that level. And how many of them are going to get a shot next year? It'll be interesting. Uh, Aaron Connolly, also with the under-23s, um, has now gone out on loan to Luton. I think they only have about eight games left in the season, but... It's uh, it's a good opportunity for him. It's long overdue. I've been hoping he'd go out on loan for a while, and I know that I'm not the only one. Um, so I'm glad that he's finally gone out. I'm glad that he's uh, recovered in time to be able to get a couple of games on the bench. Um, and, you know, if if anybody was to get an injury late on, he may be, well be the man that fires them to the, to the promotion. Um, fingers crossed for him and fingers crossed for Luton. Uh, since Nathan Jones were there, I've always been a bit of a fan of Luton. Um... I wasn't a fan of going to those games because the trip there was, although the trip to get there was always easy, um, the the ground itself is such a mess. Um, walking over people's back gardens just to be able to watch a game of football is a bizarre experience. Um, but also something that just uh, epitomizes lower level football and I kind of love him for it. Um, so hopefully he does well. Um, hopefully Luton do well with him there. And hopefully he gets to play it make a make a little bit of a difference to them um fingers crossed good luck um and also good luck to the albion under 23s uh, it's rapidly coming to a close i believe their game against everton is in eight days time um so anybody who's a local go cheer them on see if we can get a result and uh, somehow win the title there um my second story or rather my story number four um is the the information that was released on the i think it was the 4th of april um the the Premier League announced their, the amount of spending that went into football agents um, in 2018-2019. Um, and I believe it came to a total of around £260 million paid to football agents. Um, it was an increase of £49 million in the previous 12 months. As you would imagine, most of the top clubs are at the top. Um, you know, Manchester City spent £24 million pounds, um Almost a third of their budget, of their 70 million, went on agents. Um, Liverpool, 
43 million pounds. Um, they did spend an outrageous amount of money, but still, it's just insane money that went out to them. Um, you know, Tottenham. Tottenham didn't spend a penny in the summer, and they still paid 11 million pound in agent fees. Um, it's just absolutely insane. Uh, but Albion, um, we spent 77 million pound over 2018-19, um, and we paid 6.8 million pounds um, in agents' fees. We are 15th in the table, and that's probably where I'd expect us to be. Um, it's interesting to see players, uh, teams, teams like Newcastle, uh, who spent 53 million pound and spent upwards of 8 million. Um, it just goes to show that spending money on those tried and tested players within England um, probably commands a bit more of an agent's fee uh, because that seems to be what we're doing here. Um, you know, a lot of the players we signed, you know, Bissouma, um, Andone, uh, Bernardo, a lot of these players are untested in England and I think that's probably why, um, probably why our agent fees are a little lower. Um, so not only is it A, uh, something that we've always been pretty pleased with that we're going outside of the usual circles and signing these players but it's clearly a benefit to us in agent spending too um agents are parasites i absolutely hate them um there is nothing redeeming about agents to me um they the sooner they're stamped out of the game the better um i really am not a fan at all and i'm sure there are people out there that are although i'd love to meet one of you because i've never met anybody who likes an agent before um but yeah, I, I hope that, you know, we keep not dishing out money to them because they're not worth spending the money on. Um, it was interesting to see that Fulham uh, spent over a hundred million pound, as we all know, um, this summer and our 19th in agents fees. Um, you know, they're also going the route of signing people that not many people know of. Um, and unfortunately, it's bit them in the book because they're going down and they spent an absolute shed load of money. Um, it's also interesting to see the top clubs, you know, Chelsea, Manchester United, for example, um, seventy-four million pounds spent, and they spent twenty million on agents' fees. Um, I wonder how much of that is, you know, going to the name more than anything else. Everton, eighty-nine million pounds spent, nineteen million pounds in agents' fees. You know, Watford only paid ten million. I wonder if that's because it's Everton. You know, Everton, Everton are more of a household name than Watford. Um, I think it's interesting, um, and you know considering we're really on the cusp. Uh, it's also interesting to see that championship clubs um, paid out a combined 50 million. Um, you know, when you compare that to the 260, that's a massive drop in money. Um, and it really just goes to show that we really can't afford to drop. <laughs> um, you know, those that were relegated in 2017, 18, uh, they contributed 35% of that 50 million. Um, Stoke, Swansea and West Brom. Um, it's just insane. Uh, £60 million increase from one year ago across the entire English Football League. £318 million on agents. What are we paying these people for? It's just outrageous. There's just... No one can convince me that this is a normal thing to do. The, the sooner we can get it gone, the better. Because they are just... Just not good. Let's get rid of them. People need to band together and get rid of these agents. Because they're parasite that's my rant over story number three story number three is chelsea um we played chelsea midweek as we all know and i'm sure we all watched at some point or another for our sins um we don't have a lot to talk about with chelsea because um we'll go through the good and the bad um 
let's start with the good as always because there isn't much of it honestly <laughs> um the first 38 minutes i actually thought we were pretty good um we worked hard we looked like we had a game plan we looked pretty good uh in terms of being well regimented well disciplined um i was happy that we decided to play unknowne up top to give their players some uh some you know disruption um and sadly this is about where we get off the good wagon um i don't even have an easy man of the match to give um i thought bisuma looked excellent when he marauded forward um but it only happened once or twice uh you know, I I suppose I'll give him man of the match. They, I I'm struggling because we were really poor as soon as the goal went in. Um, and that's where the bad comes in. Um, everything was bad after we conceded. Uh, it felt like our heads went down entirely. Um, we looked like we had no idea what we were doing. Um, we looked like we didn't even care, honestly. Um, we somehow... Um, it felt like we attacked even less after they scored. Um, we just, to me, I felt like we just totally capitulated. Um, I know I've seen some opinions online um, that people felt like we played quite well even after we conceded. Um, and I've seen also some people feeling the same way as I did, just hugely disappointed with the with the behave, like their attitude. Um, you know, we managed one shot on target all game. Um, and this is a team that are not in the best of places. They are a top six team, obviously, um, but they're not a top six team that are on a great run. They're a top six team that just a week ago were calling for the manager's head. Um, and, you know, we just made such fundamental mistakes. We allowed them the same space in the same way to concede two great goals. They were great goals, but we made the same mistake within minutes of one another. Um, and this is a team that's supposed to be built on a solid defensive basis. Um, and, you know, I, at this point, honestly, on Wednesday, I thought we were just about sewn up for the entire league. I was so gutted. Um, I've never seen us look so passionless this year. Um, I have seen it many times before. Um, as a Brighton fan, you see people's heads goes down. It happens all the time. Um, but not in the Premier League this year. Um, West Brom last year, I think, it, well, it definitely happened at West Brom last year. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I, it's the first time I've seen us look like we just didn't care. Um, and I understand losing to Chelsea. Nobody expected us to win or even really get a point. Um, and I know that we all don't expect that. Um, but the manner in which we just gave it up to me was outrageous. Um, and I don't want to spend too much time on it more because it was incredibly annoying. So we'll move on uh, to the FA Cup semi-final. Um, you know, we were all pretty dejected after the Chelsea game, despite expecting to lose. Um, and then this came along. Um, we lost, but it almost feels like a win. Um, you know, and it's almost the same thing like in the good and the bad. There's not much bad to give. Um, so we'll spend a lot of time on the good because I think it's worth it. Um just about everything was good after four minutes yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm really impressed we kept 29% possession for the game. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of teams out there that would kill for 29% possession against a team like Manchester City. Um, we had five shots, two on target uh, against a team that are definitely better than Chelsea. Um, we looked really good when we went forward. Uh, this is the best game I've ever seen Ali Razor play. Um I know he was supposed to have played a pretty good game against Huddersfield, I believe, but uh, as someone who didn't see that, um, he was absolutely brilliant. Uh, 
He wound up their players excellently. Um, he won free kicks in dangerous areas all the time. Um, I thought he was an incredibly uh, integral part to making them really uncomfortable. Um, and let's talk about that for a moment because I think that was one of the, you know, one of the defining moments of the entire game. Um, the Kyle Walker incident. Uh, on first look, um, I thought it was a red card. Um, I've seen Duffy sent off for it almost the exact same thing just a couple of weeks like months ago um and with var in the game i thought that's it he's gonna go we're good um it was shown on the big screens um the commentary on espn said it was a definite red card um the you know everybody expected it to be a red card um they showed it in slow-mo and although it didn't look as bad in slow-mo obviously it was still a very clear red card um, by the rules that the FA provide, um, and it wasn't given. Uh, VAR and the referee said, all's good, give them both a yellow card and move on. Um, I wonder how Shane Duffy feels after that. Uh, I wonder how Marcus Rashford feels after that. I, I would love to know what Richarlison feels after that, because uh, some of these players did significantly less movement with their head um, in the exact same situation, almost carbon copies, um, and received straight red cards without without even a question. Um, so I guess the question is, is how much is VAR going to help us? Um, we spoke, we've spoken many times uh, about my belief that when VAR comes in, we are going to benefit from it against top six clubs because they can't keep getting the, the, the crazy decisions in their favor when there's a camera watching back and able to stop these things happening. Um, but that was the case yesterday. You know, there was, there was a camera there to watch this take place and they got away with it again. Um, the consensus is online, uh, not even just from fans, but from analysts and reporters and everybody else that if that was the other way around, Ali Razor is walking. Um, and I think that, you know, what, how much is it going to help us if that's going to be allowed? Um, we all said a couple of weeks ago that Swansea should be playing us yesterday um, because with the aid of VAR, Manchester City wouldn't have been through. But I guess we just don't know. Um, you know, they could have drawn a squiggly line uh, to pretend he wasn't offside and leave it at that at this point, you know? Like, I think that with the horrible decisions we've had go against us against teams not in the top six this year, uh, I think that if we had VAR this year, we'd probably be closer to 40 points. Um, but with the top six clubs, it, it looks to me like VAR isn't going to change the, the, the state of play. Um, it looks like they're going to continue to get decisions, even though you can watch back uh, with the with the benefit of a slow motion replay um, and referees are still going to make the decision in their favor. So... A, that sucks, but B, um, hopefully it will still work out better for all of the other 14 clubs in the league when they play each other. Um, at least those results will have a bit more legitimacy to them. Um, but moving on from Ali Razor, I thought Anthony Knockart was also excellent today. Um, and it goes back to what I've said in a couple of earlier podcasts. Uh, fans are always asking where it is that we're falling down. Um, I've seen topics on North Stand Chat and Twitter um, saying that it's our strikers, um, saying that it's our centre midfielders, saying that it's our fullbacks, saying that Ryan is off his game. Um, but I think that yesterday showed that uh, wingers and our wingers um, is going to be, at least for the rest of this season, where we win or lose games. Um, 
if our wingers, whoever they are, play this way, the, the way we played yesterday against Bournemouth or Cardiff, we will stay up. Um, and by the end of that week, we'll have 39 points because we'll beat them both at home. Um, if we play with uh, the talent that the wingers had yesterday. Um, you know, we we played them off the park and we Manchester City committed 13 fouls to our six um, and almost all of them were against our wingers or Glenn Murray. Um, they had all the ball. You know, we had 29% possession and they still committed 13 fouls. Um, the quality we had out wide scared the crap out of them. They couldn't cope with it and this is one of the best teams in the entire world. Um, so like I said, if they perform the way they do, uh, the way they did yesterday, we're, we're going to do very well indeed. Um, and I think the other big incident other than Walker was the Duffy header. Um, you know, that ball came in and I felt like everything slowed down. Um, and it was just by pure luck, or I guess lack of luck, depending on which way you look at it, that Laporte was stood where he was when he was, because he wasn't marking anybody. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't even there to clear off the line. He was just kind of there by happenstance, and it fell right at his feet instead of Glenn Murray's, and away it went. Um, and I think that was our moment, because shortly after that, uh, Fernandinho came on, um, and to me, that was the biggest deciding tactic of the game. Um he settled them almost immediately. Uh, De Bruyne coming off and him coming on settled us down immediately. Um, and unfortunately, what a good player he is. You know, he he changed the pace of the game. He changed the tempo of the game. Um, and with the combination of the center halves and him, uh, and Doné didn't get a look in. And, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, he's one of the, he's the best in the game probably right now in the role he's at. Um, and, you know, Good for him. The best team won uh, yesterday, absolutely. Um, and we all knew that that was likely to be the case anyway. Uh, we needed everything to go right for us and everything to go wrong for them. And unfortunately, uh, it didn't quite happen. Um, we played almost the faultless game. Uh, their goal was an absolutely fantastic goal. But, you know, it just shows you, you switch off just the tiniest bit for just the tiniest moment and teams like that can score and win. It's as simple as that. Um, and even to say we switched off is harsh because it was a great goal, but, you know, like it just goes to show it's the tiniest thing. Um, and even if you play the perfect game, they can undo you with a piece of absolute magic. So, fair play, City. I think the quadruple is one and truly on the, on the cards now, um, unless Wolves can play spoiler. Uh, but I don't think they really will in reality. Not in a final like this. Um I think that the only teams that have a chance really are those top clubs in Europe in the Champions League running, um, starting with Spurs. So we'll see. But my man of the match yesterday uh, absolutely goes to knockout. Um, 91% pass accuracy for a winger against one of the best teams in the world. Uh, he made two key passes. He had a shot that was deceptively close. Um, it was a I'm surprised he got it off. Uh, I was very impressed he did. Um, he made two tackles. He made an interception. Um, he retrieved the ball every time Montoya took the ball off of him. Um, he was almost faultless today. Uh, he kept the ball a little bit too much at times. Um, you know, but every time we got a set piece, he was the man on the set piece. And every single set piece was good. Um, we didn't score from any of them, obviously, but... Beating the first man and putting it in the box for a chance is all you ask for at any level. Um, and he did it every single time. There wasn't a single ball that went in that was comfortably cleared by the first man and, you know, cleared away. 
Um, there were a lot of them that went right into the middle of the box and was cleared away, but, you know, I was really impressed with his set pieces. Um, he's comfortably my man of the match, and Duffy was a close second. Uh, I thought he was very good today. And other than that one moment, um, he kept Jesus completely quiet. He did very little all game. And that's really a testament to how good they were, the back two, as always. Um, and it's funny because I just, I don't think at any point in the next couple of years, if we stay in the Premier League, we need to think about replacing them. I think they're perfect as they are. Um, outside of the top six, there's not many centre-half duos that I'd rather, in fact, there's not a single centre-half duo I would rather have. Um, if those two were taken out of the team and we had to put centre-halves in there, I could pick them comfortably. Um you know, I could pick centre-halves that I think are better than them, but not as a duo. Um, they're absolutely faultless. And I would I would not pick a single centre-half partnership in the Premier League outside of the top six. And even, honestly, I'd probably rather have them than the, the duo at Arsenal <laughs> because they're not very good. Um, and probably Manchester United too because they're not fantastic. Um, Stateside Seagulls uh, tweeted me, had the same thoughts Uh he was super proud of the Seagulls yesterday. Um, and like I said before, you can't really have asked for more. Um, and similar to how I've said, he, he hopes that we just play this well for the rest of the Premier League season. Um, because if we do, uh, I think we're, we're staying up comfortably. Um, and these next two games are the absolute crux of it. So let's get to uh, story number one. Uh, and that is Bournemouth. We are now what? We're on Sunday. Uh, we play next Saturday, so they have a week's rest. Uh, April is a wild month, but they get a week's rest now, um, and they need it probably because after the last three games. Um, we're done. The FA Cup's finished. Uh, we can stop being distracted by it. Uh, all business now comes on uh, surviving, and that is all we need to do. Um, it is a massive game. Our record against Bournemouth is piss poor, um, but at the same time as us playing Bournemouth at home, Cardiff go to Burnley. Um, if Burnley win, they're safe. They're on thirty. Uh, excuse me. They're on thirty-nine points. Um, I can't see anybody catching Burnley at that point. Uh, thirty-nine will definitely be safety at that point for them. Um, excuse me. Oh, I just needed to loosen the old vocal cords. Um, yeah, I think if if Cardiff going to Burnley at the same time as we play Bournemouth. Um, I can't see Cardiff doing anything there. I think Burnley will know how important that is because the games after that are almost... Well, Burnley's games after Cardiff are absolutely horrific. Um, they have uh, Chelsea away, Man City at home, Everton away, and Arsenal at home. Um, Burnley, they're going to be massively up for it. Um, it's their only chance of getting more points realistically um, and ensuring they're safe. So I can't see Cardiff getting anything there. Um, which means it's even more important for us to get something. Um, I, who knows, though, because it's a big test for us. Um, and I think that every fan has every right to be livid if we can't perform at the level we played at at Wembley um, for the next two, because they're essentially our cup finals. Um, my 11 uh, is the same 11 that started the game yesterday, uh, but I would start Andone for Murray. Um, I think he's what we missed against Saints. Uh, and from all accounts, he made the difference against Huddersfield. Um, you know, this is this next 10 days is going to really decide our fate. And if we can 
get four points. Um, it doesn't even really matter too much where we get the four from, I don't think. Um, I think we're safe because I don't think that anybody is going to, you know, if we if we get four points, that means Cardiff aren't getting more than one. Um, and at that point, you know, they only have a couple of games left and they've only won eight games all season. We can't expect them to win another three <laughs> um, and or still lose all of them. So it's it's massive. Um, it is as big as it gets. Uh, this is, you know, everything that we uh, we go to the Premier League for. This is what we this is what we expect every year. Um, and it's going to be a big time, big moment in the summer if we were to stay up because we need to do some pretty severe movements in the transfer market. But this is it for now. Um, before we speak again, we will have played Bournemouth um, and we will have a good idea of what we need to do on Tuesday. Um, and for those of you that are looking forward to the end of April, um, very similar to the Avengers, uh, we are in the end game now. This is it. This is the, the biggest 10 days uh, in the time of the Albion for the next couple of years, probably, um, because I don't see us being in this kind of trouble again for the next couple of years. So fingers crossed. Um, that's all from me. Uh, any feelings, thoughts, concerns together at together BHA at gmail.com or together BHA on Twitter or together BHA on Instagram or together be it to, together Brighton of Albion podcast on Facebook. Now, um, I'm most active on Twitter because it's what I use, but I will be uh, answering or listening to you on any of them. Um, so, you know, just let me know. Hit me up wherever you want to hit me up. Uh, drop me voice clips, drop me emails, drop me texts, whatever you want. Um, and they will make it onto the podcast and we'll, ch- we'll talk. Uh, want to come on as a guest and talk about a game you're going to? We'll set it up. We'll have a conversation straight after the game and it will come on here and people can listen to your thoughts and feelings. Um, anything you want to do. This is a podcast by a fan for the fans. Um, you know, so bring it. Have a great week. This is the big one. Sleep well all week because you probably won't for the next four days after Bournemouth. <laughs> Be safe. Have a good one. It was fantastic. All right, well done, mate.